Welcome back to the Lioness Podcast. I am your host, Olaya Land. I am a pleasure and empowerment coach. I am here to help you navigate dating, sex, and relationships from a place of deep self-love. I am ethically non-monogamous, queer, sex positive, kink positive. I believe all bodies are good bodies, and it is my mission to help you feel sexually and emotionally empowered so you can bring that power out into the world and do big things. On the last episode, I talked about how dating successfully and building healthy relationships are skills. Finding partners that are a good fit for you and creating relationships that make you feel safe and happy is not magic. It is not luck. It is not random chance. And I talked about how this is great news because it means you aren't stuck if you haven't been dating the kinds of people you want to date. It means you aren't stuck if your relationships don't ever seem to go anywhere, or if you don't know exactly what you want in a relationship, or if your current relationship feels unsatisfying, whether it's a new relationship, a long-standing relationship, you are not stuck. So when you perceive these as being skills, you understand that you can improve your relationships by improving your skill at dating at calling in aligned partners, at creating relationships that feel joyful, sexy, expansive, safe, and fun, and also at having mind-blowing sex and orgasms. But we are going to talk about that on future episodes. (laughs) So if you haven't checked out the last episode, episode 28, definitely check that out. But today we are going to focus on one thing that I find incredibly helpful for creating and growing healthy, fulfilling relationships. Something that has really changed up the whole game for me personally and for my clients. I think this is a really, really powerful skill that is accessible to anyone and that can totally transform how you show up in your relationships. But before we dive in, I want to take a minute to say thank you for being part of this community and listening to the podcast. If you have found it valuable, if you've learned something new, if you've benefited in some way from listening, if you'd like to support the show and my work, please consider sharing it with a friend who you think would be into it and or rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to find out when new episodes drop. Sharing the podcast really is one of the best ways to support my work. And as always, I so, so appreciate it. And if you have any questions or topic suggestions for me, I would love to hear them. Anything around love, sex, dating, relationships, body love, send them my way. So y'all have been sending in some great questions. They are giving me lots of topics to consider for future episodes. I really, really appreciate it. I love hearing from you. So if you want to share questions or topic suggestions, you can do that by DMing me on Instagram, emailing me, or you can also submit those anonymously. And I will put links for all of those modes of getting in touch with me in the show notes. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. As I talked about last week, creating good romantic and sexual connections is a skill, and there are many ways to develop your skill in this area, but there is one skill in particular that I think is extremely valuable, extremely powerful for connecting with the kind of partners you desire and creating aligned relationships. And this one skill is to improve your self-trust. Not very sexy, huh? But so, so, so incredibly powerful. And yes, self-trust is a skill. That is not an innate ability. Those, some of us find this easier than others. A lot of this has to do with the environment that we were raised in and our attachment style and what was modeled for us. So some people are naturally going to have more self-trust and that's okay. 
And some of us struggle with it. This is something that I struggled with personally for a long time. It's challenging for many of us, but it is a skill. It is buildable. It is something that you can cultivate. So what is self-trust? Self-trust is all about being able to hear what your higher self has to say, trusting that wisdom and acting on it. So there's three parts, hearing, trusting, acting. And self-trust is super important for connecting with the kinds of partners who make you feel good and creating the kinds of relationships that feel secure and joyful. Okay, so how does this work? Why is this important for this? So it's important because it helps you pass on people and relationships that are not in alignment with you, that are not a fit. And sometimes people are not a fit because they haven't dealt with their shit and they're bringing problematic patterns and views to the relationship, basically their baggage. And sometimes people aren't a fit just because they're different. Sometimes you're just not a fit with somebody. Like they're into different things and the way they see the world is different. They want to get up at five o'clock every morning and like go for a 10 mile run and they want you to come with them and you want to be up at night, like listening to music and painting or whatever. Like sometimes it just, it just doesn't, you just don't vibe with somebody. Sometimes it just doesn't fit. So I'm not saying that you pass on people because they're bad people, but when you have self-trust, you have the discernment to feel in either case that, okay, this person has some more work that they need to do for themselves. This person has more growth that they need to do. They're not going to be able to show up in a way that feels good or that's supportive or that I can connect with. And you'll also have the discernment to tell when, okay, this is a really dope person. Like this person's amazing, but I just feel like this is not going to work for whatever reason. This doesn't work for me for X, Y, or Z reason. So when you trust yourself deeply and you get the sense that something or someone isn't a fit for you for whatever reason, or they're not healthy for you, you're not afraid to let it go. You're not afraid to walk away. You're not so caught up in the desire for validation or connection or distraction or all of those things, all of those rabbit holes that we can fall down, that you override your self-knowledge, your intuition, your ability to care for yourself. So that's part of the reason that self-trust is extremely important for cultivating aligned, healthy, fulfilling relationships. And another way that it's really important is that it helps you show up more confidently when you're dating or starting new relationships or even in current relationships. So you show up more confidently, more solidly, with more presence when you have the knowledge that you have your own back, when you have the knowledge that you can trust yourself, that you can validate yourself and your opinions and your desires, and that you don't need to rely on somebody else for that. And I'm not saying that like it's not good to have somebody celebrate you and help you celebrate yourself and say that there are things about about you that are amazing, but When you have self-trust, you don't have to rely on somebody else's validation, that external validation to get that like zing of feeling good about yourself, that like sense that you are enough, that you're okay. When you have self-trust, you don't need someone else to do that for you. Also, when you cultivate self-trust within yourself, you can make wise choices for yourself, who to get in relationship with, who to be intimate with emotionally and physically. Because a lot of people struggle with that. It's something that I struggled with for a long time. It's something that I see my clients struggle with. It's something that I see people just in the world and on the internet struggle with. This sense of like, okay, should I stay in this relationship or is this good for me? I see so many people and honestly, like often, more often women than men, sacrificing or abandoning parts of themselves just to be in a relationship, simply to be in a relationship without really considering, is this healthy? Is this good for me? Does this give to me? Does this person give to me as much as I give to them, right? So when you have self-trust, 
it helps build the discernment to say, okay, no, I, I don't think that it does. I don't think this is a good situation for me or this isn't working for me or really to understand that like, okay, I, I feel this within myself and I'm, I'm going to trust my own intuition on this. I'm going to trust my own knowledge on this and I'm going to move away from this person or this relationship. Or conversely, to be able to really trust when someone feels good and safe. I have seen clients and friends feeling uncertain about whether to move forward with relationships that actually feel good. And this is due in part to the imprints we receive as we're growing up um, or in previous relationships, the messages that we receive explicitly and implicitly about love, trust, reliability, affection, sexual pleasure, deservingness. We all kind of have set points around how much of these feel safe and good and appropriate to us based on our experiences from childhood and our experiences in previous relationships. So sometimes if we didn't receive enough of these, we can doubt relationships that do contain love and trust and reliability, affection, and sexual pleasure. So developing your self-trust also allows you to feel into when a person or a relationship is actually good and healthy, even if there's discomfort there. And sometimes there is due to the kind of love you received or didn't receive growing up. Sometimes it can be very uncomfortable to receive love or to feel safe in a relationship where somebody is showing up fully and being honest and being affectionate and being loving if you aren't used to receiving these behaviors. So even if you're hitting up against your upper limit of what feels comfortable or what you feel you deserve in relationships, self-trust allows you to help figure out if something is really good and a right fit or not. Self-trust helps you discern when someone is actually amazing and wonderful and caring and safe versus when someone is love bombing you, for example, or when someone is giving just to receive, or when someone is giving and people pleasing out of their own sense of insecurity, or when someone is just being manipulative. So self-trust helps you avoid people who aren't a good fit lean into relationships with people who are a good fit and to distinguish between the two and be clear on who you do and don't want to give your time and energy to. So these are some of the key reasons that self-trust is really, really valuable and important for creating relationships that feel good, whether that's at the dating stage, whether that's in the early stages of a relationship, or whether that's in an ongoing relationship. So how do you improve your self-trust? So I talked about it being a skill. Okay, if it's a skill, how do we grow this skill? There are some concrete ways that you can do this that I have used myself, that I have used with clients, that I think are really effective. And you don't have to use all of them. This is really about kind of choosing what resonates with you, what feels like it will be effective for you, what works with your learning style, what works with the way your brain works. The first step, we talked about self-trust A big part of self-trust is listening for that inner wisdom, listening for what your higher self has to say. So you can't follow the advice of your higher self if you can't hear it, right? (laughs) There's no way to follow advice that you cannot hear. And our body has a lot of knowledge to share with us. But for many people, it's hard to hear that because we live in a world that doesn't encourage us to hear that. We're not taught how to tune into that for the most part for in childhood or as we get older. And we live in a world that is full of distraction and that is full of different forces vying for our attention. So it can be hard to tune into what our inner wisdom has to tell us. So the first step is to practice listening. There are many ways to do this, but it's all about intentionally tuning in for that voice, for that information. Anything slow and intentional in your body helps build this skill. So some of the common go-tos are meditation, 
especially, especially body scan meditations. I talk, I've talked about this on episodes before, but a body scan meditation, if you don't meditate, I find a body scan meditation can be a really good introduction to meditating because it gives you something concrete to do. And it builds a skill that I think is so critical for so many things, self-trust, uh, tuning into pleasure, learning how to have better sex, learning how to self-regulate. It builds the skill of listening to what's happening in your body, feeling what's happening in your body. So meditation, especially body scan meditations, and those you can find everywhere. I'm sure you can find them on YouTube. I have Headspace. There's body scan meditations on there. Um, I'm sure any meditation app will have those. And once you learn how to do it, it can be really easy. You can do a body scan meditation in five or 10 or even three minutes. So meditation is great. Yoga is also great. I personally do not like yoga. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only person on the planet who doesn't like yoga. But what can I say? I don't like yoga, okay? I don't like yoga. Um, but I would never say that yoga is not good for you. I think yoga is a really healthy, beneficial practice, especially forms of yoga that are a little bit more slow and that are about breath, focusing on the breath, focusing on how you feel in your body. Another form of tuning in to your body is something called nonlinear movement, which is a practice that I learned from Michaela Bohm. She is an amazing teacher on embodiment, on female empowerment. She has a great book called The Wild Woman's Way. She has a podcast. I will link those in the show notes. And she occasionally does free classes on nonlinear movement. And she does paid classes in this technique as well. This is a technique that she developed that is specifically about feeling in your body what emotions you have and moving them through. And I love this practice. I do it on my own. I sometimes do it with Michaela Bohm. And this is a, if it sounds interesting to you, I would definitely go check it out and maybe try one of her free or paid classes. This is a great way to practice being in your body kind of attuning to what's happening in your body and using your body to feel your emotions. So those were some ways that you can kind of do slow and intentional movement to feel what's happening in your body. Another thing you can do is just simple check-ins with yourself throughout the day and throughout the week. So you can simply set a, a reminder on your phone um, or you can you know, tape something above your desk or whatever works for you and just ask yourself, how am I doing? How do I feel emotionally? How do I feel physically, mentally? Do I feel sore? Do I feel energized? Do I feel happy? Do I feel annoyed? Do I feel angry? Do I feel delighted? Another really useful question that you can ask yourself is what do I need right now? And that can be a hard question to answer when you're not used to asking it. We're used to just going through the world, like rushing from this thing to that thing and like going from work to home and cooking dinner, grocery shopping and cooking dinner and like getting our kids in the bath or working on our side hustle or whatever. Like many, many, many people go through the day just from one thing to the next thing without pausing in between to really consider like, what would be good for me right now? What do I need right now? So that is a super powerful question. Just asking yourself, what do I need right now? Even if you don't have the answers at first, it's useful to ask that question. And little by little, the more you ask it, and if you can kind of sit with that for a second in silence or just let it be there, answers will start to come to you. And then if possible, give yourself what you need. <laughs> so when you ask yourself, what do I need right now? Maybe you need a glass of water. Maybe you need to get up to go to the bathroom. So many people, I, I do this and I know tons of people do this. We work and you have to pee and you just sit there for like an hour, not going to the bathroom for whatever reason. <laughs> 
Maybe you just need to get up to go pee. Maybe you need to stretch your legs. Maybe you've had a really rough day and you need to go into the bedroom for a minute and close the door and turn the lights off and lie down. Maybe you even just need to cry for like five minutes. Just give yourself space to do that. Maybe you have a lot of pent up energy and you need to move. You need to dance or go for a walk or a run. Maybe you need some compassion. Maybe you need to reach out to a friend. Maybe you're hungry and you need to eat something. Like there can be so many needs, but it's a really powerful practice to check in with yourself. How am I doing? How do I feel emotionally, physically, mentally? What do I need right now? And then find ways to start giving that to yourself. Another practice you can use to start listening for your higher wisdom is journaling. I love journaling. It's not for everyone, but if you like journaling, you can try asking yourself some of the questions I just mentioned and answering in journal form and just asking yourself again and again, maybe have a practice of asking yourself every day or every night or at lunchtime or whatever. So anyway, journaling can be a good way of checking in with yourself. How am I feeling? How am I doing? Listening for that inner voice. And then I have some practices that are related specifically to dating. So these are things that I do. These are things that I have my clients do. So one of these practices is to do check-ins before, during, and after a date. So to kind of take your baseline emotional, physical temperature before a date, how are you feeling in your body? Do you feel nervous? Do you feel excited? Do you feel stressed because you just came from work or whatever? Just noticing what's there. And then I I like to set a lot of timers, y'all. <laughs> And reminders. I use my phone and my watch for everything. But when I go on a date, I set a timer for 10 minutes in and another timer for an hour in. I set a timer to just check in with how I'm feeling 10 minutes into a date. Because sometimes, I know I've talked about this before, but I think it's a really, really useful practice just to check and see how am I feeling? Like, how do I feel in my body? Because sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in like, kind of responding to the other person or the environment that you're in that you forget to ask yourself, like, how do I feel? How does this feel to me? And then I set another little timer for an hour into a date to check in again with myself. How do I feel in my body? How do I feel about this person? And then I also think it's really useful to get in the habit of noting your first impressions of someone, especially your first impressions of someone in your body. So not just like your mind's idea of like what this person is about or if they look like their profile picture or whatever, but to really, really note how you feel in your body, whether you feel expansion or contraction, because you probably will feel one to some degree or another. And that is a really, really important cue about someone. I'm not saying that like that is the be all end all. And if you feel contraction, like you should just like turn around on your heels and just like leave the date. <laughs> but I think that tuning in to that first impression in your body, that's part of the wisdom that your body has to share with you. One way this showed up in my life is I have a partner who I dated for five years before I met my husband and it was a very, very, very poor fit. <laughs> he he was a very poor fit for me. And it was five years of like arguing and emotional turmoil and breaking up and getting back together and arguing. And it was just like this up and down roller coaster of a relationship. The point of this story is that when I had been chatting with this person online and when I went to go meet with them for the first time, I remember so vividly in my head, just like this voice saying like, oh, no. <laughs> and I talked myself into it because I was like, oh, he's this and he's that and whatever. So I let my mind talk me into 
pursuing a relationship with this person, even though my body knew immediately, my body was like, oh, no, definitely not. Like this person is not for you. Not because of their appearance, but just like everything, like his energy, the way he was dressed, the way he was like interacting with me. I had this super strong feeling of like, oh, no. So that really drives home for me personally. Like that was... <laughs> a really like important lesson to learn. And so now I really tune into that on every date that I go on. And I always get a str- I get a strong yes or no because I'm used to tuning into that. Tuning into your first impression within your body on a date, whether you feel expansion or contraction, a yes or a no is a really good thing to listen for. Also really helpful to check in with yourself after a date. So these are some practices specifically related to dating for listening to your higher wisdom, listening to what your body has to say. While you're dating someone or in the early stages of a relationship with someone, a similar practice is to ask yourself, how does my nervous system feel around this person? Does it feel hyperactivated? And that can feel good or bad. Sometimes we are in a relationship with someone and it's everything is like very speedy and like very exciting like oh my god uh. and i'm not just talking about like that kind of new relationship energy when you're excited and somebody's attractive and you feel turned on and attracted to them and everything's new and they're so interesting i'm talking about like your body feels hyperactivated and that can be in a good way or a bad way it can alternate from one to the other so that also can be a form of dysregulation. And it took me a long time to learn that. I used to think that was a positive way to feel. But I've discovered that when I feel that dysregulation, that hyperactivation in my nervous system, even if it's excitement, there's kind of a form of overexcitement that people can stimulate in me that usually indicates, in my experience, it's indicated that that person is probably not a good fit for me. It can be really useful to tune into Do you feel hyperactivated, whether good or bad in your nervous system, or do you feel calm in your body? You might feel excited. You might feel lust. (laughs) You might feel interest. You might feel all of those good feelings, but you can feel all of those feelings and feel regulated. You can feel like you are breathing normally. You can feel like your heart is beating normally. You can feel like you're in your body. You can feel like you're present enough to know what's going on with yourself. Okay? And another a note on this, just because you feel hyperactivated, it doesn't necessarily mean someone is a shitty person if your nervous system is hyper aroused with someone. It might just mean that they are triggering something in you. It might mean that you have some work to do on your side. I don't want to get too much into talking about attachment styles, but uh, somebody who has an avoidant attachment style and somebody who has an anxious attachment style, those two energies can sometimes trigger you into hyper arousal. And it doesn't mean that either of you is a shitty person or a bad person or doing anything wrong, but it can indicate that you might not be the best fit in a long-term romantic relationship. So it's always good to notice what your nervous system is doing around other people. And not on a one-off basis, but like on a regular basis. If you notice that you're around somebody and you often have this like nervousness or anxiety or just some form of hyperactivation in your nervous system, notice that. And then lastly, in established relationships, you can also check in with, with yourself. So you can practice listening in established relationships too. You can practice noticing what your body is telling you, checking in with your nervous system. 
and you can do this to see if there are areas that need change. Maybe you have these feelings of anxiety or hyperarousal in your nervous system, just in one area. Maybe it's around money. Maybe it's around childcare. Maybe it's around sex. Um, so you can see if there are areas that need change. You can see if there are areas of discomfort or conflict that you've been avoiding. Your body will usually tell you if those are present. <laughs> and you can use this to see if there are things that need to be addressed, either with you, within you or between you and your partners. Tuning into how you feel in your body with current partners in established relationships can provide cues to initiate discussion or maybe even seek professional guidance if you feel like you need to. So those were some techniques for listening. The first part is listening. What is my higher self telling me? And once you feel like you can hear some of the messages your higher self has for you, you can then practice taking action based on that knowledge. And I want to pause here to say that we, we all have a higher self, a wise self, a divine self within us. Whether you look at that from an evolutionary self-protective standpoint or something more spiritual or divine, but we all have that within us. Sometimes this voice or this part of ourself can be silenced. We don't learn how to listen for it, or we're taught that we shouldn't listen to it, that we should kind of override our own needs and be polite and show up in ways that other people want us to show up. And that the most important thing is to be nice, like a kind of good girl syndrome. A lot of us know what this is. A lot of us have experienced this. Sometimes we don't learn how to listen for this voice. Sometimes we're too busy or distracted to hear it, but it is there. And cultivating a connection with this part of yourself is an invaluable resource for decision-making in all areas of your life, for protecting yourself, standing up for yourself, knowing what action to take in a given situation, feeling aligned and whole. It is so, so, so worthwhile to work on connecting with this part of yourself. So first listening and then taking what you hear and taking action on that. So how do we do that? It's often helpful to take baby steps if you don't have practice with listening to this part of yourself, hearing this part of yourself, or if you feel like you're lacking in self-trust. So one example could be noting that you feel a full body no when you meet someone on a first date. You kind of have this in mind to think about how you feel. You meet somebody, you like maybe shake hands or hug or even just sit down across from the table from each other and your whole body, you feel like a contraction. You feel discomfort. You just feel like no. And maybe you don't get up and leave immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you stay through the whole date. Maybe you even text for a while after the date because you're not comfortable setting boundaries. But then eventually you communicate that this is a no for you, that you don't think that this should go any further. And then maybe the next time you plan a date that will allow you to eat, to leave more easily if you need to. Like now, for example, I never go to dinner on a first date because I need a way to leave after a relatively short period of time if I get a full body no. Maybe the time after that, you rehearse how you'll exit the date if you need to. The time after that, you set a timer on your phone for 30 minutes and you know that if you get a no, that you have, this is what you're going to say and you're going to leave. And maybe the time after that, you pick up on the energy while you're chatting instead of on the actual date itself, et cetera, et cetera. So the loop just gets tighter in terms of you taking action on what you hear. You hear that no, and then you can practice different ways of reacting to that no that feel safe to you, that feel like you're not rocking the boat too much if you don't have practice with this. And then you can take bigger and bigger steps until you get used to hearing the no on a date. And then, you know, hanging around for a amount of time that feels good for you, 
10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, I don't know what it is for you, and no longer. Protecting your time, protecting your boundaries, not entering into a relationship with somebody who you feel is not a good fit for you. Another example is if you're in a relationship, your partner does something that makes you angry or irritated. Like they, I don't know, they ask about your day, but then they never seem to listen to your response. So first step, baby step could be just noticing that irritation or anger. So instead of reacting on it, just noticing that it's there. Okay, I'm feeling this. And then the next baby step could be to actually notice how it feels in your body. Like, oh, I feel my chest feels tight and my temples feel tight and my teeth feel clenched. I just feel irritated and there's kind of a buzzy energy in my body or I feel hot or I feel, you know, whatever you feel. A next step could be journaling on why it's making you upset. The next step could be looking into if it's a you thing or an us thing or a them thing, whether it's just something that triggers you because of something from for your past or whether it's something that has to do with your relationship with this specific person or whether it's something that is from their past. A next step could be practicing what you'll say, preferably using non-judgmental language, I statements, talking about how it makes you feel and communicating with love if possible. You can just, pre- just in your mind or on paper, practice what you'll say, not saying anything. And then a next bit, next step can be finding a safe space and a time, a good time when you feel like your partner is receptive. And then the next step can be saying what's going on for you and what you'd like to change. And then a final step can be working together to find a solution. So there's a lot of steps in there and you can choose whatever makes you feel comfortable. So we move from just like tuning in to what's happening noticing that irritation and anger, noticing how it feels in the body, all the way up through being able to identify what you need, identifying how you think change should be made, communicating that in a nonviolent way to your partner, and then working together to find a solution. But if you don't have practice with that, getting to that final step of communicating and working together to find a solution can feel totally daunting or totally overwhelming. So that's why I think it can be important to move from practicing just listening and taking baby steps in terms of what kind of action feels good for you, what kind of action doesn't make you feel overwhelmed until you can take the kind of action that you want to be taking. And the loop can get shorter and shorter and more efficient each time as you practice acting on the messages from your higher self. And I really want to highlight that action can be teeny tiny. (laughs) It can be hard to change patterns, especially like if you've been raised like not to speak up or to always be nice or to not rock the boat or whatever. We We all have different kinds of conditioning, different kind of patterns that we get from our family. So it can be really hard to change patterns. So taking teeny tiny little steps is absolutely 100% okay. You want to feel safe in your body. I want you to feel safe in your body. I want your nervous system to not feel dysregulated. I want you to feel like you're not taking such a big risk that you feel completely overwhelmed emotionally and physically. So teeny tiny little steps are fine. Even just taking steps in your mind at first or on paper, just imagining. Start with low hanging fruit and then work your way up. And then we rinse and repeat. You just keep practicing this self-trust process. You're building that that muscle, that quote unquote muscle. And by that, I really mean you are rewiring your brain. So we all have grooves in our brains. I talked about these patterns that we inherit from our families or from previous relationships. Those create grooves in our brain. And it takes some work. It takes some intention to create some new grooves. You do this by checking in with yourself, 
listening for what you need and desire in a relationship, whether that's just a first date or whether that's somebody that you've been with for 20 years. You get used to expressing that and then you eventually get used to taking action on those needs and desires because no one else can do this for you. No one else can read your mind to know what you need to feel safe and good. It's each of our job to communicate that to the people we date and the people that we form relationships with. And that can be really challenging if you don't have experience with it or if you've learned to override your own needs. But it is absolutely a skill you can cultivate and it is so worth cultivating. Learning to listen for what you need and what makes you feel good. Learning to trust that. Learning to communicate that is a total game changer when it comes to creating the kinds of relationships you desire. Relationships that feel healthy, relationships that feel aligned, comfortable, safe, respectful, emotionally and sexually fulfilling, and of course, fun. Relationships that just feel good, okay? Self-trust is a huge part of learning to create that in whatever stage, whether it's the dating stage, early relationship stage, ongoing relationship stage, Self-trust is a pillar of learning to create those kinds of relationships that you desire. Okay, that's what I've got for you today. I hope it makes you feel hopeful and empowered to think about dating and creating healthy relationships as a skill, a skill that's accessible to everyone, a skill that can be honed and developed and strengthened. I hope this gives you some good things to think on and practice and maybe even journal on. And of course, if you could use some support in developing the kind of self-trust we talked about today or around learning to accept and love your body, around getting in touch with your sexual self, growing your emotional and sexual confidence, tuning into your own needs and expressing your desires, this is exactly the work I do with my clients and I would be honored to help you as well. If you are interested in that, you can DM me on Instagram, you can send me a mail, you can schedule a 45-minute obligation-free coaching session with me. I will put links for all of those in the show notes. And also, I should mention, I am going to be offering a group program on dating from a place of self-love that is going to be talking about developing self-trust in dating and so much more. And if you're interested in that, you can put yourself on the wait list and you will be notified as soon as registration is open. I will put a link for that in the show notes as well. Okay, y'all. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Thank you for being part of this community. If you are enjoying the podcast, if it has helped you in some way, if you'd like to support my work, the best way you can do that is to share the podcast with a friend, or if you prefer, share on social media, or rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And please be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to find out when a new episode drops. I will be back soon with another episode for you. Until then, I hope you have a beautiful week and remember that you are perfect exactly as you are.